Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the PHLY Sixers show. I am Derek Bonner, and this time joined by my old pal and colleague, Rich Hoffman, who, gosh, we probably podcasted together for about a decade now, which means we're both old. But how you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing fine. This is a, this is a little different for it's me. It's different. Last time I talked to you on a podcast, we did not have all of these bright lights. We also did not have this gorgeous studio. Uh, it was a very different experience, for sure. You don't get to clean up my mistakes this time. <laughs> I afterwards, do not. Too. I do the, not. The, the fundamental difference, though, is now that... Our podcast is live, and it won't be irrelevant uh, because we send it out 24 hours later. For, it is true. For That's true. Reasons. That's true. And we've got a, a team of gifted individuals here to make us sound even better than we normally do, or at least slightly better than we normally do. I guess where we'll start off, um, because Kyle and I sort of touched on this topic a little bit in yesterday's show, but we want to dive a lot deeper into this with you here in the studio. Nick Nurse, you know, a, a lot of the Sixers roster right now is very similar to last year you know, barring what happens with that James Harden situation. So a lot of the growth is either going to come down to players like Tyrese Maxey, who we talked about a lot yesterday, or just changes in how you use those players, which comes down to Nick Nurse. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about Nick, get a little deeper into the changes he might make. But overall, we'll start off just with a broader question. What's your general thought on the hiring of Nick Nurse and what he could do to this staff? Well, I like the hiring of Nick Nurse. Uh, I thought he was pretty much the best coach out on the market. Um, I think we, we had previously talked about that. But it's worth noting that you and I feel about coaching probably differently than most Sixers yeah. fans. I would say, like, it, it's fair to say we disagree with fans about a lot of stuff, right? They, people come at us and on Twitter, in the comments section, all of those things. But I would say over the years, the number one thing fans have disagreed with me about is the importance of an NBA coach. Do you think that's the same as you, or do you think there's No, I, there's well, I, I think, you know, on the one hand, I've always thought that coaches can be the slight differences that can take a team from being close to getting over the top. Uh, when you get into a seven-game series where there's a lot of back and forth, where both teams are getting a chance to really know each other's strengths and weaknesses, those adjustments can be, you know, maybe not a drastic impact. You're not changing the complexion of your team, but they could be necessary to get you over that hump. But the... 
the problems of the team, the strengths and weaknesses generally come down to the star players. And I think that's true. Now the question is whether or not that leap from, you know, Doc Rivers, who has had struggles at times in the playoffs, we'll just no. put it lightly with that. Come on. To Nick Nurse, is that substantial enough where you don't need to completely remake the roster and you can get them over the hump that they've never gotten? So I think fans generally say, you know, the coach is a problem. And a lot of times I think that's letting the players off the hook or at times letting the general manager off the hook. I agree with you 100% there. But with the way that the Sixers have come up short here in the second round year after year, it's interesting to watch play out for sure. I I think it's it's undoubtedly coaching is what our readers, our fans, our our version of the sickos, they disagree with us about it. And that's okay. It's it's fine. And it was that way with Brett, I thought. By by the end of Brett's time, I felt like I was painted as a Brett apologist. And by the end of Doc's three years, I thought it was the same as well. Like and Doc, who's somebody who you know, we had an on and off relationship. He was I an guess. asshole to most of us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We don't need to pull punches. He's not here anymore. Okay. Uh, so, but, but I didn't think he should have like, or it, I think he should have been fired at the end of the year. It's just the, the general after every single game, doc should be fired, you know, a regular season loss. It's like, man, they're winning two thirds of these games. Like he's, yeah. he's not completely doing everything wrong here. And, I, I guess I would say is during the season, unless it's like a Doug Collins, like I'm better these, than these guys. They're not playing hard enough for me. I never got booed. Yes. That sure. type of thing. I, I'm generally pretty hands off with the coach until the playoffs. And then you get X amount of times. And for the Sixers, yep. it's been pretty simple. You get three cracks at this and then you're done. That's, that's the way this works. And Doc was fired. So it, it's a, a long way of saying that, I, I'm not as big into overanalyzing the coach during the season, but replacing Doc with Nick Nurse, I think number one is a good move. It's the right move. And that's one of the few things I'm like super excited to watch about the Sixers team this year yep. is, is the coach. And, you know, I've kind of enjoyed that the Sixers, their social media, they've had so many things go wrong this offseason that the Nick Nurse hiring has been played up. He's been at yeah. the Phillies game. He's doing the Craig Kimbrell thing. Basically, outside of that and B-Ball Paul, they, they, they haven't had a lot of good news. Their social about. team likes to tag B-Ball Paul almost every chance they get, just because it's hard to be mad at B-Ball Paul. But even so, if you go into the, the replies and the quote tweets on those, B-Ball Paul's not saving them. They treated B-Ball Paul like it was like a Kevin Durant-level signing. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? For that, I say good, because I love B-Ball Paul. But... Uh, yeah, the, the poor Sixers social team, they, they do a great job, but the, the replies have not been uh, not too been kind coming, to them no. uh, this offseason. Hopefully for them, regular season can be a little bit better. You know, they can figure it out a little bit. But it might not be, honestly, considering yeah. what's going on with James Harden. So let's go through some of the things that a Nick Nurse team typically looks like, what they excel in, uh, what they focus on. A lot of times that has come down to over the last couple of years, they forced a lot of turnovers. Uh, They were first in the league in forcing turnovers three straight seasons. Some of that comes down to the fact of the personnel that they had. It seemed like everyone on that roster was a 6'8 forward who could barely dribble and didn't really want them to create in a half court. So you have to get out on the break to create some easy looks. They were also very willing to give up corner threes. Again, I think over the last six years, they were in the top six in giving up corner threes four of those six years. And they've also... Um, you know, been very good at getting out on the break, again, because they almost have to be, and also because they've been very athletic. 
How much of that do you think is Nick Nurse and what he's really prioritizing and what he wants scheme-wise, and how much of that was a reaction to their personnel? So I guess how much of that is he going to try to carry over here in Philadelphia? It's a good question. And he, he was on a podcast recently with Pat Bev, and he was kind of talking about it's a little bit of soul-searching for him coming into this job where it's how much of my philosophy matters with this personnel? How much of that can I actually bring over? Because this is something we've talked about all summer. This is the complete opposite of the Raptors. I mean, that, that series in the first round a couple of years ago, you could not have two different teams. No. You have the Raptors who force a million turnovers. They're all athletic and 6'7", but none of them can shoot. None of them can guard Joel Embiid. Really, none of them could stay in front of Tyrese Maxey either was the other kind of element that swung that series in the Sixers' favor. The skill level on that team was nowhere near the skill level, especially with the high-end guys on this team. I'll be interested to see because you mentioned one of the reasons I'm excited to watch Nick Nurse is because he tries weird shit. Like, you know, everybody remembers the box and one and the yeah. triangle and two against Steph Curry. Do you remember, I think an underrated one was there was a game, I believe it was the 2019 season. So 2019-20, Sixers play the Raptors and the Raptors are very good that year. That's like Nick Nurse's best coaching job ever. Sixers won that game. It was a home game. But, you know, they're up like 15 points at the end of that game. And Nick Nurse goes full court press. Yep. And it turns into a complete cluster F yep. by the end of it. It is just, you know, Ben Simmons doesn't want the ball. They're turning it over. The whole crowd is booing and groaning. The Sixers don't believe in having more than 2.5 players who can dribble. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, he's, look, and, and I, we talked about that a little bit yesterday where his willingness to sort of do presses. Uh, full court presses, even half court presses, pick your man up well beyond the three-point line, trap on the perimeter, things that I think Doc Rivers generally avoided doing. That could benefit some players on this roster, I, I, Maxie and Melton specifically. Outside of that, though, do you have the athletes to be able to um, you know, cover up that dribble penetration and be able to get back to the shooters? <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's tough. I mean, and so from an intellectual standpoint, and we'll get into more of that in a sec, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I, I think just watching Nick Nurse try and adapt to this roster that doesn't fit what those Toronto teams did. I mean, the other thing, too, is those Toronto teams were some of the worst half-court offenses in the league pretty consistently, and it was a lot of ISO, Pascal Siakam, ugly basketball. All right, well, now you have tools here, regardless if James Harden is here or not. You, you have Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. You have the tools to be one of the better half-court yep. offenses in the league. But the other element of that, too, is that with Joel and especially with James, now we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Those guys want to walk the ball up. <laughs> they don't want to play fast. That's, that's basically the opposite of what they want to do. So that'll be interesting. You know, I, I think another reason I like him, it's like you said, too. Can he be the edge in a playoff series? Because yep. this has been a big thing of you for a long time. You can explain it in a sec here, is that coaches can matter in the third round of the playoffs. Right. You know, in the first round of the playoffs, like I remember a couple years ago, a lot of people said, wow, you know, Doc Rivers, that Nick Nurse, the uh, the genius coach, Doc Rivers pantsed him in that series. Well, I mean, Doc he had did a, a significantly better team. Doc did a yeah. good job, but in the first round of the playoffs, I think every Sixers fan knows. There can often be yeah. wild talent mismatches in those series. So it can matter more as it goes along. And, you know, we can argue about how much of the 2019 title run was fortunate for Nick Nurse, how much of it was Kawhi Leonard. Are you saying the fact that they had uh, magnets on the rim that might have been not related to Nick Nurse? Yeah, I think that was 
that, that helped for sure. Um, and, and newsflash, Kawhi was pretty important was pretty to getting good. Nick Nurse over the good. finish line. But it is nice to have somebody who has done that once. Yeah. You know, like Nick Nurse's teams have not been talented enough over the past couple of years to really get in the mix for uh, for those later rounds. But to just have somebody who can at least say, okay, I've been here before, I've successfully done this, that's a good thing. And then and then the last thing that's cool about him is that he's been Joel's foil for yeah. forever. Can you believe Joel Embiid didn't score a point in a game against Nick Nurse? Well, and, and he took that pretty personally. And I think it's... He's also used that when Maxi has a bad game. He's like, yo, don't worry about it, man. I didn't score a point. <laughs> poked a little fun out of himself. Well, the, the other thing, too, is I, I think it's no secret that Joel... I, I think he said most of this stuff publicly. He's like, man... All the Raptors do. They, they triple team me. It doesn't yeah. work anymore. I mean, I, I scored 10 points. It's like he basically, I think, thought by the end of Nick Nurse's tenure when they had all of those 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guys, that they're not even trying to win the game. They're just trying to hold me to, to 12 points. But I think it's certainly true that Nick Nurse threw the most aggressive, mm-hmm. kind of crazy schemes at him. And so to have somebody who he sniped back and forth with in the media and who has been, I, I think, a, a really good rival of his over his career, that just adds another element now that they are working together. Yeah, the fact that you have Embiid and Nurse. Embiid, love him, one of the bigger floppers in the league. And Nick <laughs> Nurse, one of the most vocal and, and animated foul complainers on the sideline. Um, teaming up when they had butted heads so often and, quite frankly, complained about each other's propensity to complain about foul calls. It is going to be entertaining. And just the fact that you have a coach, and this is something, you know, you and I talked about this when Doc was hired on our podcast at the time. Doc Rivers, very good regular season coach because he, he establishes a real good base, but he never really adjusts from that. He never tries stuff during a regular season. Nick Nurse is almost the exact opposite of that. And we talk about coaching being overrated sort of in the macro, in the regular season, and that, you know, it's going to take on the identity of the team. It's very important in the micro. And I'm just really curious to see, this is a very different team than Nick Nurse has ever really had, both offensively and defensively with the kind of defensive anchor that Embiid is. How is he going to experiment? Which of those experiments work? Which ones will carry over the playoffs? We'll have a lot to talk about, whereas in prior years, it's like, all right, they're playing a drop. We know they're playing a drop. Let's see how well they can get at that. Well... I guess the other issue with that, though, is Joel likes to play drop. Joel, I think for good reasons, does not like to move as as much as he has to. You know, like he wants to make it through the regular season in one piece, which he's done largely over the past couple of years. Now, what happens when he starts ramping it up for the playoffs? I mean, that, that's been clear <laughs> over the past few years, whether that's fluky or or whatever. But, you know, Nick Nurse, his teams flew around and had all of these crazy rotations what does that mean for somebody like Joel Embiid? Like, what, what do you think? Do you think they can actually implement even a little bit of that with yeah. Embiid? Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's it's going to be fun to watch out. But even even not just beyond the drop, um, because I think Embiid's going to be in a drop for most of his career and for most of the time on the court, um, just changing things up and how they defend the perimeter and, and, and the pressing and the trapping and what they do when someone breaks that first line of of, of defense and how they react. Just even just giving up the corner threes the way that Nick Nurse has and being able to try to use your length and speed to uh, maybe dig down and be more aggressive on, on the drives. It'll all be interesting. It'll you, all be interesting. You mentioned the stats, and it's, it really was like, it was wild how statistically they would just stay the same every year. Like the Sixers, you know, some years they're better at rebounding. Some years they're better at forcing turnovers. And I think some of that is personnel driven. Those Raptors teams, it was a straight through line where yep. they were um, – I'm looking at it right now. They were first or second in forcing turnovers. 
for the past four years. Yep. First or second every time, but they were also 28 to 30th and giving up corner threes. And that goes to show he, he wasn't afraid of like kind of a, a boomer bust quality yep. to his defense, which is, I think, a lot different than how the Sixers have operated. Like, like, what do you think about this? When, when and I even just, I think we, we've got a graphic up here on the screen, which, by the way, if you're listening to this on the audio, there is a YouTube stream of this, so go check that out. You can get things like that graphic shown in there as well. But the corner three is maybe the most interesting because that's like, you know, if you're going to do things to try to be aggressive, you're going to give something up. It's either going to come at the rim by bringing Joel Embiid out to the perimeter, or it's going to come from the three by trying to help off of those wings. Nick Nurse has been really willing to live with giving up open corner threes very frequently, um, you know, thought of as the highest value shot in basketball or second highest outside of what's at the rim. It'll be interesting to see, you know, that maybe that was worth that with the Raptors because you need to get out and transition because they were so bad in half court and because they had the kind of athletes who could force turnovers. This team can't really force turnovers, or at least in the past hasn't. Can, can this strategy bring them up from there or will it be a little too aggressive? It'll be fun. I don't know. I mean, you think of the boomer bust quality. I, I think back to that first round series a couple of years ago. And there were a couple of games where Nick Nurse and the Raptors absolutely stifled the Sixers. The problem was there were four games where they got absolutely yeah. lit up and, and Harden was dissecting them with passes and really getting the ball to Tyrese Maxey in the corners. And yeah, there is a boomer bust quality. So I, I do think in terms of like interesting things to watch this season and, you know, if you're a basketball nerd and if you actually care about the regular season and just want to see Something different, whether it works or not. I, I think Nick Nurse, the, the hiring of him is a good thing for that. If you can get past your disdain for James Harden and your frustration over running into a wall in the second round every time, I do think there will be some things, some interesting things to talk about and watch for in this coming season. I agree with you on that. Real quick before we get to the next topic, though, a quick word from DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New, new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms and eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, so going back to Nick Nurse. We've talked a lot about the Sixers not having the personnel for a lot of his games, or at least questionable. Who do you think benefits the most? Well, I think we already mentioned him. He's the, the social media star, the, the greatest free agent signing in history, the greatest matching of a Danny Ainge offer sheet in history. What's Kyle, what's Kyle Newbeck doing in the chat? Focus on the road, Kyle. Come on. <laughs> Be better. Be better. Go ahead. Yeah, he, he misses the, the studio. He misses us, man. The, uh, no, I'm it, just kidding. I'm sure, I'm sure he's pulled over on the side of the road on his way to Ohio. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a good guy. He's driving all the way to Ohio? But still, do better. Yeah, he's got a wedding to go to. 
I made a drive up to Montreal recently. That that takes a long time, man. I think uh, <laughs> I know. I'm you gonna, know some of the road trips I've gone on. Well, I drove to Vegas. Well, I drove back from Vegas. Well, you, you drove me back from Charleston last year. Yeah, that was when we had to get out of Dodge on that hurricane coming. Well, there was a hurricane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, we we have time for our ridiculous uh, road trip stories. How many how many stops we make for that one? Like three or four? A couple. A couple. Yeah. It's like pretty good McDonald's and. Southern Virginia. I'm in McDonald's and McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, uh, I think B-Ball Paul is that guy, right? Like he is the chaos agent who just screams Nick Nurse basketball player. Like we talk about forcing turnovers. Who is the Sixers best guy at forcing turnovers and just mucking up the other team's offense and just essentially having vacuum cleaner hands where, you know, he's either going to get his hand on the ball or he's going to steal it or whatever. Paul Reed is excellent at yeah. that. That's why he's an NBA player. Yeah, no, that's one of the, I mean, that's like legitimately the reason he was drafted. And people went, all right, well, can the rest of his game show up? I think Nick is going to like him a lot. I was mentioning this the other day with uh, Kyle, where I think, you know, people Paul is going to do some wild shit. Some stuff that just drives coaches absolutely <laughs> up a wall where he's completely playing out of the system, trying to do too much offensively. He's honestly gotten a lot better at that over these last couple of years. Like, I think when he first came into the league, that was a big concern with him. But he has struggled to play within the offense at times. And he's gotten better at it, but I think you're still going to have moments, one a game, where he just does something. You go, oh, my God. Remember, like, the reverse layup where he just completely lost the ball? Just stuff that doesn't need to be happening. He, he, he has a, a high number of you, Kyle, and I sitting on press road. <laughs> yeah, slapping the table laughing. laughing. Yep. Yeah. But I think Nick Nurse is going to have much more of an appetite for that to be able to stomach that because I think he values and his system values what Paul Reed can do on the defensive side of the court. I think Nick Nurse really wants to get out in transition. I think he really wants to just cause chaos. What was the famous Giannis quote about Nick Nurse's teams where he was hearing footsteps or seeing defenders in his sleep or something like that? He wants people to just muck shit up. And Paul Reed is the one player on his team Maybe you can go to like the Anthony Melton with the steals or something, but the one real player who's almost tailor-made to do that. So here's a question for you. Where are you at Paul Reed at the four? Oh, right come now? on, man. I was just trying to talk Paul Reed up. You're going to put me in a position where I have to kind of like put on the brakes a little bit? Well, I'll just say this because... You're higher I, than me? All right, I've been... Good. No, no, no. No, I'm not higher on you, but I'm lower on the Sixers offseason to, to the point where I want to see that now, where I think for a long time... Would you argue, I think it's fair to say, George Niang is the polar opposite of a player. In every which way, yes. But there's a reason that George Niang was good with Joel Embiid. His yeah, he shot the snot out of the ball. Shot the snot out of it, and everything was quick, besides yeah. his feet. The, the, the decision-making. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the passing, distinction, yeah. The dribbling. By the way, I love George. I'm very happy that he got a contract. And I think, you know, for Cleveland, like, He's, he's going to help them at least in the regular season. We'll see about the playoffs. He was probably a better playoff player than I expected this year for the Sixers, too, as well. Uh, but Paul Reed is the exact opposite of that player where he's just a much better athlete. He's a chaos agent. He's a good rebounder. I mean, George is like one of the worst rebounders I've yeah, ever seen. Oh, yeah, those lineups with like George and Tobias used to drive me insane. Get the ball. You're 6'8", 6'9". Get the ball. It was, ball. It, it was tough to watch, especially when... I mean, gosh, that, that first year when, like, Seth Curry was also on the floor sometimes, too. It's just like, well, yeah, he's not getting a rebound. Yep. So uh, so I look at the at Paul Reed, and I see we talk about his shot, 
maybe it goes in. You know, he's he's making a few of them at the Rico Hines runs. Like that's that's great, but it's also like pretty slow, pretty mechanical, and his decision making is not the fastest. Now I will give him credit. Playing with James Harden is kind of a a pick and dive five. The the goofy style he's yeah. made that work. Yep. Like he's you know Kyle was talking about it the other day. Like his craft, even though it's kind of funny to look at yep. and it's a little bit below the rim. And, and goofy, look, I'm not against goofy and funny to look at if it translates the results. I mean, look at you and me sitting here having a podcast. <laughs> they they put us on video, Rich. So you know you got to get over goofy and and funny to look at. Well, there's, there's always time for that yeah. to uh, to backtrack or. or Transcend us to Utah or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the thing is. Um, so I've been a B-ball Paul skeptic at the four just because I, I think I'm with you on this where I think you need shooting at the four next to Joe. Like that, yeah. that's the, the primary thing. And the, the numbers bore out that him and George killed people for the most part when that was the front court lineup. But, man, I look at the rest of this offseason. I see, like, five centers. I see Mo Bamba. I see Pat Bev. There's not enough good stuff happening on the rest of this roster that, that I can turn my nose up at B-Ball Paul at the four. And I completely, like, we, we understand the defensive benefits of it, right? The, uh, the idea of, like, play him off the ball, have him be a roamer a la Robert Williams, not as big of a shot blocker as Robert Williams, but, you know, have Joel protect the paint and have Paul. Like, I, I think that would certainly help their rebounding issues and those things. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about the offense, but the rest of the offseason has been so bad that and just signing these one-year stopgap players that go ahead. I, I want to see it, and I want to see it in a Nick Nurse scheme. And if it doesn't work, that's fine, but like, there's not enough good options here that, that we don't see that. Absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in the place. Like, do I think you can put Paul Reed next to Joel Embiid for a significant portion of the time as a regular tactic and it'll work? I have very serious concerns. But I'm just, first of all, I think there will be some lineups or some games where you need that skill set and it might work or at least it might stop the bleeding. So you want to try it out just to see if that can happen. And I'm just in a, let's try shit, man. Like, I want to get to the playoffs, know what works and what doesn't. Anytime you get information, whether it's a positive or a negative feedback, it's good. It prepares you for what really matters. And the Sixers over the last couple of years just didn't do enough of that. I think they did a little bit towards the end of the season more, but I just commit to it. Commit to being crazy, and I think Nick Nurse is is certainly willing to do that. Let me, let me ask you another question. What do you think about the Nick Nurse-Daryl Morey relationship? Just because they go back to Rio Grande yep. Valley where they were, were basically an NBA science experiment where they were shooting all of those threes. I, I know the Nurse teams were not very good, but as you mentioned, none of the players could shoot. So you know, does this turn into... Maybe a little more, little more of a Mori Ball team because, like, you know, Doc was a little bit set in his ways. I would say that's fair. I think you're being a little nice to Doc in that regard. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, you know. No, look, I like on the one hand, you're never going to. I don't think you're going to be a top five three point shooting team in terms of attempts. They were last year in percentage with Joel and B, just because he's always going to be in that mid range operating and where he's really comfortable and where he can see the floor. And he's going to take those mid-range shots. And when he's your top option, that's going to uh, impact your overall volume. But I certainly think they're going to shoot more. Now, part of that is, do you have James Harden on the team? Because I think he's so good at creating looks for these role players the Sixers have. If he's not there, I don't know if Tyrese Maxey's going to be able to run a show and create those looks. Even though he has the speed and the burst and pressure on the rim, he just hasn't really shown an affinity or an ability to, uh, to do that at a high level. And they don't really have many passers around him, so I worry about that. But I certainly think Nick will pri- prioritize that. When you look at the, the Raptors over the last couple of years, 
I take what he did defensively a lot and say, yes, I think that's probably what he wants to do. I took it what they did offensively, which is pretty freaking disgusting. Not in a good way. Not, not good. in an effective disgusting way. And say, I don't really think that's what he was doing. I think that's what he had to work with. So I'm really interested to see what he does now with a completely different roster from, you know, is he going to run more DHO with Joel Embiid and maybe Tyrese Maxey? How is he going to really create looks in the half court with a, a very different roster than he had in, in the last couple of years? You, you see the, the comments right now are talking about, you know, Paul Reed versus PJ's corner three-point shooting. And it, it is true that you do look at the stats at the end of the year. I thought last year for a lot of the year, like, you, you couldn't just, make a shot. You look up, he's shooting 38% He's shooting like 38%. Yeah. Now, obviously, we could look at the stat and say, all right, but if it's one a game, like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, they're, they're not guarding him. But, look, that's – Paul Reed will get the, the choice to, to do that, you know, and I think that the hope would be offensively that maybe, you know, the Al Horford-Joel Embiid experience did not work as well, but maybe on the positive side, Joel Embiid is a much better offensive player yeah. than he was. He's – He's ex uh, extended his game to the perimeter, so I, I can see him being more of a problem solver than he was in 2019-20. The, the other difference is your point guards are James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. That team had Ben Simmons, and yep, it, it was there was a lot of not offensive yep. space and catastrophe where yep. you know it was just completely congested on that end of the court. So. I, you know, we'll see. And look, maybe Paul Reed's athletic enough where if his man's helping off of him, he can find that lane to dive into uh, and you know put pressure on the rim in that regard. Maybe it doesn't all have to be spot up that he has to work on, but he needs to be able to shoot a little bit. And that bar for being able to shoot and actually spread the floor and create gravity, it's, I mean, we saw it with P.J. Tucker. He might shoot 38%, but because he's so reluctant, nobody gives a darn. So he's really got to improve. I know he's been working on it. He's had some success in the G League. We really need to see it. In the NBA, really okay. nice. I want to see B-ball Paul to four, and Nick Nurse is on record saying that we are going to see that. So that that's the good thing about Nick Nurse, where you know there's so many things that have gone wrong around here. Just just having somebody that will try stuff. I don't know if some of that stuff's going to work, just because I, I don't like some of the roster moves that have been made this offseason. I certainly don't like the vibes of this team heading into the year with your second best player potentially holding everybody hostage and just. Uh, liable to do unspeakably lazy things on a basketball court to try and force this way to yeah. Los Angeles. But you do have a coach that is willing to experiment and try things, and that will be kind of one of the smaller joys of this Sixer season for sure. Yep, and look, you know, we had somebody in the chat earlier giving us grief for trying to talk up and be excited about this season. We get all of your concerns. We get it. You've got to find joy in the little things because most of you sickos are going to be watching the game and reading about the game and watching this live stream anyway. Just try to find a little joy. It doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. That doesn't mean that we're optimistic. Rich just talked about how the offseason has been, yeah, not great. Find joy in the little things, for sure. For sure. I think from a, a strictly a vibe standpoint, it's one of the worst offseasons I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Especially for a team that's going to come out and win 50 games and has a reigning MVP. And it, the vibes, like being upset at the vibes, you're not wrong. It's, it is what it is. Just water gun to your head on this one. Let's say Harden just sat out the entire year and you have this roster. Let's say Joel plays 65, 66 games, kind of what he's been playing over the past couple of years. How many wins does that team have in this Eastern Conference? 47? Yeah, I think it's pretty close to 50. And, and I, I, the other thing that gives me pause in saying that might be a little low is that they were basically at a 50-win pace a couple of years ago, and yep. Maxie's better. Like he's, he's clearly more proven. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think we have our concerns about, okay, is he a lead guard on a championship team? But I certainly think... 
he can run the show and be, you know, a 25, 26 point per game scorer on a team that has a lot of regular season success as long as Joel Embiid is uh, is upright. I mean, I, I know Seth Curry was really good, kind of sneakily pretty good that entire year. He shot, I think, a thousand percent from the mid range, but it's it's true that if Harden leaves, like th- this team largely has the regular season figured out. It's the uh, yeah. it's the old playoffs that kind of get yep. in the way. Yep. All right, quick word from game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events, we'll, we'll call your favorite events now, maybe the Eagles game, not the Sixers. Anyway, shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. This is a point that Kyle's sort of been hammering here over the last few days, but it's absolutely true. Uh, being able to view the ticket that you're buying is, is crucial. Uh, I remember way back, and this is going to show my age a little bit, but I bought tickets to the final game uh, at Veterans Stadium for the Eagles. And I was a broke student, so I was trying to get the best deal possible, and I found tickets real close that were listed as obstructed view. And I got there, and I couldn't see a darn thing, like not a thing. And maybe that was a good thing because I missed Rondé streaking down the sideline there. And oh, you went to the, the, the Bucs NFC Championship game? And I didn't get to see the final nail in the coffin of Veterans Stadium. So maybe that was a good thing. But generally speaking, you want to see the action that's going on on the field. And something like Game Time will help you do that. It's fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds with two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to go through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Um, all right, so I think we have, you know, want to pivot a little bit away from maybe some of the hardcore Nick Nurse discussion here. Although I do think it's, it, uh, we, we, we're not trying to create interest, I promise you. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how he uses these pieces, um, what kind of freedom he gives. The thing I brought up the other day, like, he would give OG just pick and rolls when he had no business. Ugh, like, OG were, shot oh, 37% so in pick and rolls. He shot 32% in ISOs. But he would give them time. You will also get really good memes, as you're seeing on the screen. Not that Doc wasn't memeable. I don't know if anybody heard. Did you, did you hear Doc, um, Paul George's impression of Doc the other day? I did. Oh, we're going to bring this up on a podcast at some point because it was, it was spot well, on. It was I mean, incredible. considering the history between those uh, two. Well, it uh, makes it even funnier. Absolutely. Google is your friend, kids. Uh, so yeah. Doc was like maybe audio memeable, but I think we kind of like our, our visual memes in this. And Nick Nurse is really good at that. He's very animated on the sidelines. But, you know, just seeing like, will he reward, you know, Paul for his efforts? I think that'll be real fun to watch. I think, well, just in terms of dealing with the media, Doc was not popular with the media because sometimes in an effort to protect his players and, and just to do it publicly, he would just lie to us. Like, he would just say things that obviously weren't true. Nick Nurse, after a three-game losing streak this year, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't go the full Doug Collins route I mentioned earlier where no, nobody booed me and yeah. I, I played hard all the time. But Nick Nurse, he's got a little bit of a temper on him. He's, oh, yeah, he does. He, he's not yep. afraid to throw his players under the bus, uh, even his very good players. Now, I think it's a good thing that Fred Van Vliet, who's somebody who he had criticized in the past, I think even as Nick Nurse left, said, man, I, I had such a great time playing yeah. for that guy. And You've got to be calculated about it. Like, would you handle Joel Embiid the way you handled Fred Van Vliet? Probably not. Probably. Like, you, probably didn't handle, not. you didn't handle Kawhi the same way you handled Fred Van Vliet. So I think he's probably smart in that regard. But we'll get, you know, we'll get some good quotes. We'll get some stuff to debate, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I Well, the other thing, too, real quick, the other point I wanted to make on just, like, the play style not being the same. 
would you say, you know, Tobias and PJ are probably the two best wing defenders on this team? That's just not like the greatest state of affairs at this point with PJ's age being what it is. We're not, we're not cutting Ricky Council? Well. He doesn't exist in your mind? Well, if he makes a team. <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's got a two-way. He'll be around. I mean, he'll be around. I don't know if he'll ever actually, be up in the... He's actually yeah, playing on the team. Yeah. Uh, Jane Springer? Yeah. He actually might do... So there's a question. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I'm curious your perspective. Do you think he might actually get like legitimate minutes this year? And I know it's hard to say because we haven't seen the progress he made and yada, 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 but we've got five hours a week to kill, so speculate. You know what? Like, it, again, it boils down to... I'm so unenthused by the rest of the uh, the roster machinations where Jaden Springer, I am really concerned about his offensive game. I just think the limitations are pretty apparent. And as a defender, you know, he is an excellent defender for what he is, but he's smaller. Like, he's he's not, you know, OG Nanyanobi who can, can guard. At some point, though, I see enough guys on this team. It's like, yeah, why don't we give him a shot? Yeah. You know, who cares? Again, I'm all for just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And he's, he's I don't want to make that comparison. He's part of the stuff that you throw at the wall. Um, so I'd certainly, like, he's got so much athleticism, so much strength and ability to just fight through screens. Maybe not quite the positional versatility of some of those 6-8 forwards you were mentioning, but he's got enough defensively and enough ability to get the Sixers out on the break. I'm, I'm certainly willing to try it. So, but, but back to the point. And also, you've got to make a, a decision on that, that fourth-year contract for a team that wants cap space. Like, try him early. Yeah. Get a good look, yeah. Uh, so, but back to PJ and Tobias, like I've had many conversations with PJ about this. They are pretty set in their ways of like, we're going to switch, we're going to guard our yard, and it's basically the opposite of fly around. It's it's one-on-one -on -one defense being kind of the the primary driving force, and yeah. The chat uh, is going wild right now. It's just, it's just well, going, whenever like you they're bring, out of control. Whenever you bring up Doc Rivers, it's just, <laughs> he's a lightning rod subject, and I think we... Uh, I think you, in particular, produced some uh, some of Only those great once. memories. Only once. I feel like, um, you know, look, I think Kevin Kincaid had one. Uh, Kai Carlin. Uh, um, who else? Who was the other one? I don't remember. But Keith. it's been a – Keith certainly had one, one or two. Um, there's, it's been a wide array that pissed him off. It wasn't just me. I don't think we're going to get that quite as much with Nick Nurse. I've seen him deal with the press. I don't know. If we have to, we have to. we got to do our job. I'm um, not aiming for it, but it might happen. Uh, tempers flare. Anyway, if there's one thing that... that uh, recapping sort of like the Nick Nurse section here before we move on, if there's one sort of area, like one crazy thing he might try... You mentioned the boxing one. It's the one that gets all the headlines because it was in the finals, and it was just... Uh, you never see this in the NBA. But is there one crazy thing that you're just really aiming for to see if he tries? Well, I mean, I think a full-court press could be interesting, especially, like... Kyle mentioned this yesterday. Maxi, not a great defensive player, but that's probably his strength, picking up guys. Austin Krell. Austin Krell was the one who he said, would you ask Pop that question? He was the other oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Austin. Yeah, which was ridiculous. Like, it was perfectly fine. It was ridiculous. Most of these were fine questions, if yeah. I'm being honest. Uh, well, look, that's, that's what Doc was, you know. Tempers flare. It happens. I, it truthfully just happens. Um, I don't know. What, what, yeah, is there a specific thing you, you'd like to see? I mean, yeah, the junk defenses, like the full-court press. Uh, I, I think for me it just boils down to how do you utilize Joel's talents in a versatile scheme? Yeah. Because I, as good as Joe is, and, and I think he has the ability to switch when he wants, uh, you know, especially at the end of games, that's not what he's best at. That's not what he has done for me. Yeah, and something he struggled with a little bit there in Game 7 of the, of the Boston yeah. series too. Well, uh, no, Tate, he is a, a fantastic 
defender. He might give you a little more scheme diversity than, say, someone like Rudy Gobert, but you're still limited because you want him near the rim as much as possible. It, it, it does, I won't say it limits you, but it gives you something to think about with everything you're going to try, for sure. For sure. And the right answer to my question might just be, how does he utilize Joel Embiid? All right, so you had a sort of um, segment you wanted to bring up called Process Memory Lane, where we sort of just, look, we're, we'll call it experience, right? Because I feel like that's a nicer way of saying old. But we've seen a lot of shit. Like, we've been around this team for yes, a long time. Yes, we have. And there's been some wild, wild stuff. So maybe every now and then, especially during the offseason when we've got a lot of time to fill, we'll just go down, like, some notable event and try to add a little bit of color around the details. Um, so what was the one you wanted to bring up here? Well, there are three that I have right now. And I think that the beauty of this is when you get Kyle and Devon here, they have been here for a lot of these things. They probably have different perspectives on kind of all of the big picture, crazy things, small picture, crazy things. You know, we, again, your own Weitzman wrote a book about it. You could probably write another book about it. It's, there's just so many craziest things. I mean, if, if we, the thing I always go back to is Zaire Smith literally almost died. And that's yeah. like, you Eighth, bet you forget about it. Nine, yeah, you forget that's, about it. that's pretty far down there. Um, so we're going to go back to kind of the genesis of this, though. And uh, I, one thing I will always remember. Me, no, no, no. I'm going to disagree with you on that because the genesis is, is uh, Bynum bowling. That's true. That's true. I, I think the, yeah, that's, that's true. Because for a couple of years, the Sixers were just bad, though, yeah, in there. Yeah, boringly bad. Yep. And, and even with Hinky, that first year, like, yeah, they lost, what was it, 26 games in a row? Was it something like that? It oh, was, yeah. But towards the end of the season, when they think they almost broke the record. They tied against, the record, but they, they didn't. won against the Pistons or, or they something. They came one short, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they had two years where they lost, like, 18 straight games to start the season. Freaking wild, man. It was yeah. wild. And then Kobe gave them their first win. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> in his retirement game. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Uh, so the, the thing that sticks out to me today is that when we show up at just a random December game against the San Antonio Spurs. And we, we got a, we got an email that there would be a, um, that there would be a press conference in this room that we've never gone to before. And they did, wouldn't let us know what the press conference was about. It was just press conference this time before the game. Yeah. It was crazy. Everyone was chattering. And I, and the Spurs were awesome. This was when Kawhi was still on good terms with them. They were a 60-win team. Pop was still... We didn't ask Pop that question. He, we was, he was still cooking, <laughs> though. Uh, so we show up, and they, they say there's a press availability before it. And we sit down in this room I've never been in, in the Wells Fargo Center. And through these doors, I will never forget the shock of this. Jerry Colangelo walks through. And I, I'm pretty sure at the time... You and I and all of the other assembled media there had no idea this was coming. Yep. None. We thought, I thought there was a chance Hinky was getting fired. That was, that was certainly a chance. Maybe someone would be promoted in the interim. But bringing Jerry Colangelo in to run the team from Skype, that just didn't cross my mind. So one of the other elements of that that was really funny was, so they bring in Jerry Colangelo and it's like, oh, wow, like this, their front office, their vision has just completely changed here. Uh, one of the other funny parts about that game was we didn't cover that game at all. I remember I spent the entire game in the back media room writing my story. I look up two hours later, the Sixers are losing by 50 points, 50. And the, the lasting memory of it is in that 50 point game, a Spurs bench warmer at the time yep. by the name of Boban Marjanovic 
puts the ball over your third overall pick's head and embarrasses him. He like faked it, the pass and just like held it over his head and then brought it back. It was like, we, like we it was like them. Harlem Globetrotters and one. Like it was, they were just clowning them so bad. And that was what happened on the night that Jerry Colangelo got hired. And I mean, obviously Jaleel Okafor was a big part of that. I think we could probably get into another time the kind of the three events that were going on. I still have no idea how he was going that fast over the Ben Franklin no. Bridge. Like, <laughs> no. I don't know how it's physically possible to do that. Like, I think he would have had to, like, Tokyo drift, like, around a corner to be able to to do that. I just don't, like... And that's a that's a, that's a sharp corner, totally, too. Totally, like, yeah. Like, like, he might be a better speed. driver yeah. than we think. Yeah. <laughs> so... You think he's got, like, one of those gaming rigs where he's got, like, a steering wheel and real pedals and he's, he's practicing his drifting? Yes. He's got to be pretty good, yeah. Or, or he, like... I bet you Ben Simmons has one. Ben Simmons was a big gamer. Well, and by the way, we drive over the Ben Franklin Bridge a lot, like going back yeah. and forth to Camden. They have a lot of speed bumps on the kind of coming back uh, in that same direction Jaleel Okafor was driving. I'm just saying, I think those could be the Jaleel Okafor Memorial. Speed it is bumps. funny, though, when you look back at that and you think a speeding ticket was proof that like the and culture a, had run amok in and Philadelphia. A, and a bar, like, and a bar fight. How many, right? how many couple NBA of players get a speeding ticket even an excessively fast one. It's got to be a lot. Like, that was yeah. nonsense. And he was a 19-year-old kid. But uh, I, I just remember, too, Jerry Colangelo, you mentioned the Skype. He talked about Sixer business at the time, which yeah. was basically like, I don't really care about this as much. And, uh, you know, he said at the time, here was a quote, ultimately, someone will make the call, and Sam is in the position where he will make the call on that final decision. This is December 2015, I believe. But that's after a lot of collaboration and discussion with us, which meant Sam's not making the final call. They really stuff. went through a multi-year love fest with collaboration, just using that word. Um, and then I remember, we, I remember when they hired Brian then, and I asked I directly asked Josh Harris, you know, how many people did you interview? And he said, you know, I don't think that's an appropriate question. It's like, well, what the fuck am I doing here if that's not an appropriate question? That's got to be like the number one question. Did you do your due diligence on this hire when you came to the conclusion that your advisor's son is the one to run the team? I don't, I don't see how that's an appropriate question. What do you mean? I, I had no idea how to respond to that. It blew my mind. Well, and by the way, Josh Harris does not talk in front of the media despite the fact that he buys a million other sports teams. Yeah. And, he stopped know, doing that. Yep. In rival markets. And I think looking back at that time, you know, he was, you know, he, he had some rough moments. And, and so you mentioned that second part, right? So December, they hired Jerry. But in April, I think it was like the second to last game of the year might have been the last home game. They play the Bucks, and they say, hey, by the way, there's another uh, another one of these press conferences. And out of I'm pretty sure out of those same exact doors, Jerry Colangelo walked through, walks in his son. And then yeah. I, they announced... It was the same room. Those are the only two press conferences I've ever gone to. They should room. call that the, the, the Colangelo Memorial Room yeah. of the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, because John Gonzalez writing for NBC Sports at the time, the, the word is just seared in my head because he asked the question, you asked Josh Harris, but he also asked a question to Josh Harris like, man, the, the optics, optics was the word. Yeah. The optics look horrible here because they also announced at the time, hey... By the way, Jerry Colangelo, he's done. He was yeah. just an advisor. He was just, you know, John Wick ready to, you know, take out Sam. And Lincoln. again, his, his son got the team and he's done. All coincidence. All coincidence. How could you not hire Brian Colangelo? And it all worked out. So, how, you know, this is all. Um, anyway. Anyway. All right. Uh, real quick before we get here into the final segment, a quick word from FOCO. 
Uh, Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football tailgating season, which means overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game are in stock. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. I guess sort of wrapping... I see, I see in the chat here, get ready for FERC running point. Uh, I, I will say, this is like a hot take I think I have. FERC, not horrible at running point. For, no. for somebody who is not even close to an NBA point guard... He's not that bad at it. For a long time, the shooting just was not there. But the the craft, the ball handling, yeah. the the fake behind the back pass. He loves it behind the back pass. We all know that. Look, again, this might be a long season or at least a frustrating one. If you're gonna bring me a little bit of spice with Furkman behind the back passes, I'll take a couple extra, even if it leads to turnover. Just give me something to be excited about, something to watch, something to look, look, look. We get it, and I'm sure the chat will say, you know, I I, I get it. The Ferk running point means you're not a very good NBA team. I, I, I get that, that whole part. But I enjoy watching Ferk run a pick and roll once in a while. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. it's, one, of, it's one of my vices. Also, he's the second longest tenured sixer. That's amazing. That's amazing. He survived through two trade requests as well. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a, a comment here from Ed. Um, don't worry about the roster in July, September, October, <laughs> February. It's a good point. It's a good point. I will say... I think hmm, this, I don't want to come off too much like a Daryl apologist. I'm not sure how much of supporting pieces matter until this hardened thing's resolved anyway. Like if you didn't think the Sixers were going to have enough talent for Harden, Maxi, and Embiid to actually challenge for a title, I'm not sure what they would have done here to change that. Like if you shuffle the pieces behind them, like your seventh, eighth, ninth people, you're still not going to have, I don't think they're role players away. I think they need to really nail this Harden thing, whatever that means. And probably what that means is they get like a pick and a couple of um, decent role players that are on expiring contracts, which means you then have to nail the second move after the Harden trade before you're really talking about a, a viable contender anyway. Completely agree. So I guess sort of like to close out this, we will have you back on tomorrow, so we'll have much more to talk about. What is sort of like the number one thing you're looking for in this upcoming season? What, what, what's a low-key thing that Rich Hoffman is eyeing on? Oh, I think I think you mentioned it yesterday. I think Maxi is the the yeah. big one. Where you know, we are more bearish on Tyrese Maxi than I think the average Sixers fan. And look, I, I get it though. Like he's just a phenomenal kid. He has exceeded every expectation as the twenty first pick in the draft. Um, I thought. Would they think I was going to say? Uh, I'm, I'm no. Gonna... I was, has, has anyone had any more um, unfollowed through trade requests in Furcon? I don't think so. I can't, I can't imagine. I, I'm not going to say that I'm looking for a, a Furkan Korkmaz uh, starting level le, level season. No. Maxi is, like you said, what, what was the number you put out yesterday? The 40th best player in basketball? Yeah. Something like that. R roughly around there. But, you know, when you get to the, that point, and I think uh, Seth Partnow has done a good job in recent years kind of explaining, once you get down to the 35th and 40th best player, there's not a lot of difference between, like, the 30th best player and the yeah. 50th best player in the league, can he get to that next tier? But the difference between the 35th and, like, the 15th is massive. And it, it means all of these little things that either he's mediocre at or not good at, he's got to get to be very good at. He's got to be good in all facets of the game. He's got to get better defensively. 
Part of that is building his body, and I think he's working on that. Part of that is is anticipating better and being a better communicator. And he's got to use his ability to put pressure on the rim to create shots. In order to be a six foot two guard and be an actual like, um, you know, all NBA caliber player, you need to be able to create for your teammates. Agreed. And I, I think the one thing that you know I, I've said this before, but is is to me his path to becoming you know, more than what he is now. And Nick Nurse said it, right, in his first press conference. We're going to give him more pick-and-roll reps, and that's going to be what we're going to do. To me, it turns into, can that guy get up 10 threes per game? And, yeah. I, and like, I, I do agree with people when they say, you know, you know, Joel says, like, after, after games, I, I can't believe he doesn't shoot more threes. You know, he needs to be getting up 10 per game. I think he's a great shooter. It, it's actually hard to get up 10 threes per game, especially yeah. when defenses are focusing on you. It's not just a matter of shot selection. Yeah, sure, P.J. Tucker can get up 10 threes per game because they leave him wide open. Tyrese Maxey is not, he does not have that luxury. Um, to me... You're saying Tyrese Maxey's higher on a scouting report than P.J. Tucker? I think he is. Well, unless Why they, you come here for the Well, analysis. unless they work, you know, unless they read from the, the bottom, bottom up and, and just kind of change it that way. I, you know, I don't know how teams work their scouting reports. But to me, it's, it's the shot is what... Empty, like basically, Damian Lillard is kind of the—he's the blueprint for Tyrese Maxey. And that's—we've got a comment from Donovan saying Maxey has no bag outside of running full speed at the rim. Well, no, he has every shot in his bag. Like if you're talking about dribble moves, he needs to get shiftier with the dribble for sure. But in terms of the shot and the diversity of the shot, he has everything you could hope for right now. And and yeah, I think that's probably a little far that he has no bag. But, like, yeah, I, I agree that his, in his terms passing of dribble moves and, and, and passing, craft, yep. yeah, that, that is a weak spot for him. But the way that he can work around that is if he becomes kind of a guy who, from 25 feet, you have to go over every single pick and roll for him. Yep. Because, like Damian Lillard, if you give him that space, if you are not up at the level, if you go over the screen, he's going to pull it, and it's a 40% shot. That opens up an entire different world from Tyrese Maxey. And, you know, does he have the bag to throw guys open and, and make the passes. I'm not sure, but I know that will create passing lanes that he does not have because he's a little more passive in that area right now. Yeah, yeah. And look, there are many kids that are a, a tougher worker than him. He's the closest thing that it's we amazing. have to Jalen Hurts right now. Go Birds. Totally. But he, there's some limitations on being 6'2". Like, you talk about going over the screen on a perimeter. It's much easier to trap him than it is like someone like James yeah. Harden. yeah. And there's also just passing lanes that he doesn't meet, uh, read, things he doesn't anticipate that he's got to get better at. And the hope is that he can put in the work to make him even more undead, or unguardable on the perimeter. And for that given time and experience, he will get better at those reads and anticipating. Um, and that's part of it, too. Like, if you don't want to see Harden on the team, I think you're going to have less of a chance of going deep in the playoffs. Deep might only mean, like, three rounds for this team maxing out rather than all the way. But at least we'll get a chance for Maxi to gain reps, gain experience. He hasn't necessarily maximized those reps in, reps in the past, but I wouldn't mind seeing it now just to, you know, see if he can grow. It's so huge for the team. So well, huge. One other thing that I've liked about Tyrese, because we, we talk about his work ethic and Doc, like, look, say what you want about Doc. He was basically on this from the moment Tyrese got here. He's like, man, him and Paul Reed, they work harder than any young kids I've ever seen. And yep. I think the... Nice thing that Maxi does in the offseason, because mo most guys have their s solo trainers where, mm -hmm. you know, Embiid has Hanlon, some people have. And Maxi's been with Hanlon this summer, too. Brickley. But that's my point where Maxi seems like he goes to different trainers. Like he works with Chris Johnson, who is Ben Simmons' trainer, and kind of works out a lot of the clutch guys, but he works with Hanlon. He's got his guys in Texas that he's always been with. I'm sure he might work out with his dad every once in a while still at this point. So he's just kind of this fun loving guy who 
clearly is like, yeah, I'm not going to work with one guy. I'm not going to do this. I just like, you know, seeing other perspectives and, you know, kind of working out with other people. And I think that bodes well for him. Here's the thing I will say about Maxi is regardless of what his ceiling is, I'm pretty confident he's going to reach it, whatever yeah. it is. He just, the, the character, the work ethic, all of those things are just, they're there. Off the charts. And it, it's one of those things where like at the beginning, when he would talk about like, you know, getting in early or putting up shots or even just his boyish personality, you'd be like, I don't know. This has got to be a bit. There's nobody this happy just to play basketball. Like this has got to be, he's, he's, he's trying to fool everybody, but no, he's, that's really him. This is what he lives for. Uh, it's, it's fun to be around. It's infectious. It's got to be good for a locker room. Just need him pass a little better. That's all. That's really all I need. And then I think the sky's the limit. Like he, if he can figure that part of the game out, he can be a top 20 player. I, you just need to figure that out. So I guess like to, to wrap it up, like what, what is there left for Joe to do? I, and I guess this is kind of the disappointing thing for me is that I feel like he's made so many strides yeah. in the name of getting better in the playoffs, but because of what has happened the past couple of years, I don't have a good answer to that question right now. Yeah. And I think it's one thing you know, Kyle wrote about a little earlier um, on launch day is that drop his scoring because I think he needs to allow a perimeter creator to resp- uh, take more of that responsibility. Just somebody who's comfortable making those kinds of reads which, again, right, and is part of the reason we need Maxi to grow into that. Um, he's just got to react better to defenses. Like, be healthy, first of all, sure. Like, don't get your finger stuck. Don't get an elbow to the eye socket. Just react better to defenses when they change up in the playoffs. And I don't really – I think that's a hard thing to really Because it feels develop. like he, he has gotten better in he the regular season better. at it. But, Absolutely. But last year it turned into 2019, 2018. You can't replicate a defense, a playoff defense in a regular season. You can't really replicate in practice. Drew Hanlon at five foot eight can't replicate it in the summer. It's a really <laughs> tough thing to prepare for. It's one of those things where, like, you experience it enough and enough and enough, and you just get better at it. But some people have a ceiling on how much they can improve. It's really tough because, like you said, in terms of skill, he's improved every way you could hope. Every way. And he's gotten better at a passer. He's gotten much better at a passer. It's just not quite where you need it to be if he's going to have a 34% usage rate in the playoffs. And can you realistically get that where it needs to be? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's why you would love, if this was Prime's James Harden on the roster, that would be perfect. Because when you need a bucket late in a game, whether you need someone to create a shot for a role player, James can do that every trip down, or he used to be able to do that every trip down the floor. That's why watching him go two for 14 every time in the playoffs now, it's getting tough because he would be the perfect complement to Joel Embiid. It's just, he's too old for that now. I mean, honestly, that's why Dame Lillard would probably be the perfect complement. And, you know, I guess at some point, if the Miami thing doesn't come to fruition, that might be a topic we'll talk about. It's just why Joe's second round was so disappointing last year. Yeah. I, I know he was battling some some health issues, but he just he didn't read the floor. He, he just completely collapsed in that aspect, and that is where he's gotten so much better. So yep, I don't know. You know, Daryl Morey said it like he's like we're gonna try and replicate playoff defenses in the regular season. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I don't know. There's nothing Charlotte's gonna do to replicate what Boston does. It's no. just not. So if they could, they'd be relevant. All right, I think that's probably a good enough place to cut this show off. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, all listeners in the chat. Thank you to everyone who will listen to this on the audio-only broadcast in your podcast player of choice. But talk to you tomorrow. See you, man.